0: Welcome to the Faith and Grief Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and grief. We're a nonprofit providing grief support programs through collaborations with local organizations. We offer monthly grief support gatherings as well as workshops and retreats. We hope the stories and interviews you hear provide some comfort and hope on your grief journey. First Presbyterian Church of Dallas sponsors this Faith and Grief Podcast season. If you or your organization would like to sponsor an episode or an entire season, contact me, Shelly Craig, host of the podcast, at shelly at faithandgrief.org. So, this episode is our second uh, part of our first conversation with Megan Morgan Jarvis about grief, uh, her new memoir coming out into the hour, and just uh, so much wisdom. Uh, comes from Megan. She's lived her own grief and is there willing to witness and support others in their grief. So this is session or episode two of our conversation with Megan. And I think you know, like I, I think of your example is a is a good example. We are functioning like we did before. Yeah. Like, okay, that was a blip, and now we need to get back to the way things were. But we can't. To me, like, the reason I think that study was done in 2003 was that was two years after 9-11. Yeah. And we saw what that did to us. Yes, that's right. You know, um, on a whole. Uh, We all got a lot more scared than we'd ever been in in a reasonable amount of time. Like, you know, I mean – You know, we all grew up, (laughs) those of us who grew up during the Cold War, we kind of always were just like, yeah, it's just going to be like the Prince song, you know, like the bomb's going to drop and like, it's all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we actually saw it on TV and then it was, you know, very real. I think we're kind of in that same moment here, but on a much, like, like, it's it's indescribable what we've been through. And that's the sad part. We don't have good language around it. And we don't have good language for grief. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we're not able to do that. And it's not, as I tell people um, that I work with all the time, it's not your fault that you don't, yeah. you're, you're not prepared for this. Like you, you don't, I said, we don't do any kind of grief education for you. We, we don't, don't tell, you, so- tell you what's going to, we talk a lot now about depression and anxiety yeah. and these other um, brain house uh, diseases and um, syndromes and all that other stuff but we're still kind of like grief is, and that's why I said grief because there's this spiritual connection to yes. it that we can't completely uh, discuss. We don't have the language for it. Um, well, I,
1: I mean, you said it so beautifully. And I think if you thought about grief as an everyday thing, yeah, that I wanted to go to the pool and there's a thunder and lightning storm. And so I have to let go of the dream that I had of, swimming this afternoon. I'm going to have some grief around that. Yeah. Cuz because I lost something and grief is the energetic response to loss, is that the equivalent of my mother dying, of course not, but if we think about grief as similar to hunger or exhaustion as just a natural or sexual desire, like it is a natural part of your lived experience inside your body, being able to say to somebody just like you know, and, and again, I built a model, which is like this, which is just if we had a normal grief practice, yeah. these are the things that it might include. It might include a little bit of mindfulness and mindfulness is just like being in this moment right now. So be in this moment with your grief, like just start, just start there. Then like really looking at, at energy, like, is there energy trapped inside your body that needs to go somewhere? Do you not have enough energy? And then some interventions around that. And then the idea of like nourishing yourself, you know, if you are grieving, if you are letting go of energy, how are you going to, I mean, legitimately really feed yourself food, but also show up with cushions, right? Like emotional cushions so that you can be in that space that's a little bit hard with some comfort, right? So, and then, you know, being able to translate yourself being able to let someone know i'm having that i'm having these feelings here's the impact of them i want to connect around them or i don't want to connect around them it's you're sort of sending some boundaries around that and then for me always getting outside being outside yeah. there's so much data about what the sun can do to kind of help you and and being out in the air and moving your body a little bit. We have a lot of data that like, I'm not talking about CrossFit and punishing your system. I'm right. just saying, <laughs> venerating your system with a little bit of energy is really good for you. And then rest. That that process to me is, are like the backbones for how do we be with and attend to just the regular everyday grief. And that that mechanism, that backbone, that can hold deep loss as well. And when it can't, Mm -hmm. we go to treatment. When it can't, we know we're past the point of what is sort of average in our lives and what our systems can do. And then we go and we say, okay, we need different interventions. We need outside support and help. We probably need more education than we have. But even that little framework, like I just built that based on my 20 years of experience, my clients get that from me. And and I say, well, what, Mm -hmm. what did you do from the mentor from, you know, what did you, and it just is helpful. It's just like a helpful, you know, what are you going to do? You're, you know, I'm going to go take a little walk. That's what I did to be with my grief, but we don't teach anything like that. We could, and we don't, and I hope we're going to.
0: Yeah. I I think we're, we're getting there. Um, I th- I still think our biggest challenge I know for uh, our programs and stuff is once people get there, yeah, it's I see miracles happen all the time. Yeah, when it's just the getting there, and I yeah. I joke I joke from a, a faith perspective. I'm like you know the 30 minutes before you get to church is like the worst. Yeah, that's possible right. Possible time of the entire week. You're your screaming shoe at the kids, and you know yeah, everybody's right. getting. But once you get there, you're like, oh, it's not yeah. so bad. Um, and it's the same thing with going to work out. You know, like you're yeah. like, oh, I could do all these other things, but I could not go work out. You that's know. right. And similarly, it's that when you need some emotional and yeah. brain health support. Yeah, like
1: that's exactly right.
0: Once you get there, I mean. I know there are people who've gone to therapy and like, oh, not for me. And I'm always like, how many times you go? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, give it three before you completely write it off. Like three sessions. Because You I know, is isn't I, enough.
1: What? So the thing that I say is like, look, if you're falling into the category of traumatic loss, you got to go see a therapist because they're trained differently. It's like going to see a foot doctor for a broken foot. Could you see a general doctor for general pain? Yes. So like a coach, a minister, I'm all for that with grief. But if you have traumatic symptoms, you got to go see somebody who specializes in that. And that's just like period, end of story that I'll I'll die on that hill. But in general, the, you know, the concept of like therapy, I mean, I'm saying this as a therapist for 20 years, like you don't have to go to therapy, but you do have to find a way forward with your grief. And so what's that going to look like? Is your therapy coloring? Is your therapy cooking? Is it? And so therapy meaning some way in which you have figured out how to take the energy that was created inside your system on account of your loss and made sure it is not just sitting inside you right that you are transforming it and transmitting it because it's going to grow it's going to ebb and flow that you have a way of being with that energy so that it doesn't it doesn't leave a tattoo and an imprint only of the loss That's not what we want. That's not what anybody wants. I think it's not what we are spiritually built for. I don't think it's what we're wired for. And I will say, and I say this with, you know, the hubris of it is really hard. Both of my parents' deaths have been really transformative in a way that I Mm -hmm. know myself differently. I'm in the world differently. That is not bad. It's good for me. Would I do anything to have them back? I really would. I really, I, w- I would give all this up maybe even just for a couple of hours with them. Mm-hmm. But it, I can't say that the grief work hasn't changed me in a way that like is, is profoundly important to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm in the same, same place. Yeah. Like uh, me personally, uh, if you would have told me five years ago, this would be the kind of work that I would be doing and be as passionate about it as I am. I would have told you that you are on another planet because I was like, right. No. Um, It it doesn't, I've never been death. It doesn't scare me. So I guess that's part of it. I've always been fascinated with the connection between uh, what people believe and what they do. And so you've got that. And then there is this, spiritual connection, spiritual uh, part of grief that you just can't completely, you can't put in a box yeah. and you can't enumerate it well. That's why no matter what the studies say and whatever the statistics are, there's still another piece. It's like yeah. I, I always, people will say, what's your definition of grief? And I said, well, give me a definition of love because yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be the same for you or me. Yeah. But you know what it is. And you yeah. know what your what it feels like. Um and you know That's what right. it feels like when when it's going well and you know what it feels like when it's not. You know, there's yes. there's a strange um connection between the two. Um that is uh, still it's otherworldly. So yeah. <laughs> I I agree with you. And I think everybody in the
1: grief space that I have ever known would say something similar. Like, I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be doing this. And I do... I mean, again, I think the human imagination is sort of based on past experiences, right? Because the brain is basically a predictive tool. And I think the real truism of grief and loss is that it is novel, that you have never lost this that you just lost before, whether it's a, whether it's a marriage, you never lost this marriage yeah. before, you lost this job, you never lost this job before, or it's your brother, you've never lost your brother before. And, and true novelty I mean, genuine novelty is this like, there's this little moment of entropy of like, oh, well, we're going to have to bushwhack some new pathways. Yeah. And what doesn't work is like, let's just try to go back down the old pathways. I mean, it doesn't, I'm not saying you can't go back to those pathways, right? but right. trying to only go back down those old roads, that is a, you know, an attempt to deny what the body and the brain know, which is that things have irrevocably changed. And the concept of sort of like novelty again, it's a it's a great it's a great activity when you are stuck to do something, learn something, try something, watch something, eat something that you have um, never had before. When I was in treatment and I really wasn't able to eat, that was their plan. They didn't. I, I was like, wait a minute, I kind of know what this is, but every day the chef would say, "Hey, have you had this before?" And I would say, no, I've never had that before. And he'd say, okay, well, I'm going to make it. Like, I'm going to make this for you. Mm-hmm. And he would, you know, he'd make it for everybody. It was in the South, a lot of Southern cooking I hadn't had before. And it was a, such a fascinating way of like, oh, guess what, Megan? You are actually grieving your mother's death. You're doing something. You didn't, you'd never had banana cream pie before and you hate it, but now you've had it. <laughs> It was such an interesting, so again, you know, there are ways for us to encourage people to do the impossible with very
0: small steps. And that's, and that's key. I think the small steps is, yeah, it's a spiritual act, right? I mean,
1: that's most spiritual acts are not a burning bush or, you know, a vision. Most spiritual acts are, I don't know, a decade of the rosary and just wishing that, you know, turning, turning your mat and praying multiple times a day. I mean, that you know, pausing when someone you know across the world is having a moment and sending them your care and your love. Most spiritual acts are something very small and intentional. Yeah. I think,
0: and I think, I think, as we talk about grief and doing more grief education, sharing those little step tools, yeah, practices. Um, we do a lot of work in spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. aren't very different than any other practice that that's you've right. ever learned. Right. We just like to put spiritual in front of it, so yes. it, it sounds cool. And, yeah. you know, we introduce people to a lot of different things that they can explore, and that's just yeah. it. I'm not telling you to do any of it. That's right. And you don't have to do any of it. You can tell me then. No, not for me. But I said, just try it. Yeah. Kind of like the chef. Have you ever that's had right. this? No. Right. Then try it. And yeah right. you didn't like banana cream pie but you i know, sure didn't
1: i think it tastes disgusting i don't
0: think anybody likes banana cream pie yeah but banana they pudding, do. banana pudding's different though yes yeah. i don't think delicious. it is
1: i yes. think banana flavored any i like a banana yeah. banana yeah. flavored anything is not but but you know i again i think that's really important you know even though i am a self-proclaimed grief expert meaning you know i've studied it i'm in it i know the theories i do the things Really what I am is a hope merchant. I just think if you keep going and you work hard, it will not always feel the way that it feels right now, that our emotions, you know, these little like electrical currents that move through us, move through us. And that if you can learn to trust yourself to be with them, even though they are overloading you, ask for help when you need the help, receive the kind of help that is appropriate for you we will get to the other side. I think having grown a bigger tree branch, I think there's more and not less in the end, which is not to say that we are not living without because generally we are, but you know, a lot of the kinds of losses that people experience that are not, I lost, my sister died and I miss her. You know, there's so much loss that is I'm never going to be a figure skater. I have a friend who was a very competitive athlete and, you know, she turned to me the other day and she was like, I just realized I'm turning 50. Like I'm never going to have a better time. You know, I'm never going to be faster than, than whatever my fastest time was. And, and like that genuinely took her maybe a month to kind of sit with and just be like, wow, I need to let that be. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think, Part of what we're really talking about is the definition of ourselves, what feels possible, what feels true. And when we're grieving, let's say, an estranged parent, you know, my dad died, I didn't even like him, you know, and I didn't find out till seven months later, part of what we're grieving is there's no other version of any other possibility of any other kind of dad. And learning how to do that and be with that that helps you when you don't get the account at work that helps you when your yeah. kid doesn't get cast in the wizard of oz it just it helps us with racism it helps us with misogyny it just helps and helps and helps when you are someone that can bear loss and that you have some tools and that you understand that it is dysregulating and that you will come out the other side and if you don't hear the tools that you need and then the people you need to see in the treatment's I do find that really hopeful. And so when people say, Megan, you don't know what you're talking about, I'm like, I probably don't. I definitely don't for you. So keep seeking. (laughs) Find another page. Go to another. Like, you're right. I am not for you. There and luckily, there's a million people to choose from. How great is that for us?
0: We could probably schedule a whole nother interview to talk about. I know, I know. Yeah. All day. So there and and this is why I think I'm hopeful about discussions around grief. Shows like the bear. Shrinking Ted Lasso Afterlife, um, Dead to Me. There are so many good shows out there who are talking about grief and showing grief not just at the funeral, yeah, they're showing grief as how it permeates, yeah, the characters, yeah, and whether they're talking about it as if they've walked through some of their grief. Or if they're still trying to figure out what the heck's going on. That's right. I think they're all good places for, and again, it gets back to our actor friends. Yeah. It's, it's art that will yeah. help move us forward yeah. in this, in talking about what that <coughs> looks like. I mean, I mean, I could go on and on for hours about how many Emmy Awards Jamie Lee Curtis is going to win next year. Oh, my um, God. I, I've loved her my whole life. Um, and I'm so thrilled. She's having a minute, though. Oh, God She's love just having yeah. such a – and amazing that she's having it now. Yeah. You know, like yeah. people are appreciating right. her on a whole nother level. I think, That's right. I think the bear has done a beautiful job of showing how grief tears you up, yeah. but you still yeah. got to show up to cook a, a steak, yeah. you know. And how do I do that? While well, all the stuff is falling apart over here, and how do I t- yeah. touch the feelings I have around the death of my brother in this yeah. case? Did I like him? I don't even know because yeah. I grew up in a family. And if you haven't seen the Christmas episode uh, in the season of the Bear oh, yet, it'll, it'll kill you. It'll just kill you. But the performances are amazing. Yeah. And if you haven't been in that family before, yeah, it's shocking. Okay. <laughs> For those of us who who have similar families in different right. levels, maybe um, we didn't throw a fork. Yeah, I, we didn't. Throw, we know think... we didn't throw
1: forks. We didn't. Right. Throw forks. Maybe we didn't throw forks. What I think, I'll, I'll just say this because yeah. I I know we're going over time. But what I'll say about the bear that made me, you know, what I mostly feel about people who create art is just grateful. Yeah. Like so uh, grateful that they're willing to go into, you know, the burning embers of their own story to to create something and sometimes like i don't know sometimes in some shows like sex in the city like they didn't try hard enough like it's not nothing but it's not enough yeah it it in some yeah. shows like um succession they have certain episodes where I, you know it just runs chills through your body because it's so real and yeah. and what i'll say about succession which is brilliantly written is there's a there's a scene there's a there's an episode which is really the most powerful and that really comes down to the actors like the actors were able to embody what it's like to be in moments of trauma yeah what the bear does And it gives me chills to just think about it is the bear actually strips it down to archetypes. Yeah. And it shows you this, like, you know, the main character ends up in a refrigerator. Like he's literally in freeze. Yeah. At the end of the show. And he can't participate in his life. Like, tell me that is not the most brilliant thing you've ever heard of. The other character, Richie. Yeah he transforms. He sees that people want him to succeed. They believe in him. He gets a little taste. He likes the way it feels. And he kind of abandons his cousin by moving forward. That happens in grief. People are so hurt. so, So the thing about the bear, it's like reading, I don't know, I want to say Hemingway, but I don't even think Hemingway is right. Like, I don't, I'm not sure Hemingway did it this way, but each character is showing you one version of what it's like to hold grief that is true across, I would say, a lot of norms. Yes. And they do it with such artistry. There's this other scene where the, the, the restaurant is about to open. They're doing their soft yeah, open yeah. 30 minutes and the main character carmen he, he he hits the table and realizes it's wobbly and he gets under the table yeah and his business partner who's in it with him and that's all she wants is to be in it with him walks by and he asks her to get under the table like could she just get under the table and see what he sees and then they have this really important conversation and mm-hmm. i'm like that's that's great that's grief work you don't know why he's under the t-. she doesn't even ask she doesn't say what are you doing why are you under the table she's like all right i'll get under the table they there is some subtlety in that show that just it just puts it so far above and beyond what other folks have been able to do with grief and loss. There are other really beautiful shows, but the subtlety of what it's like to have trauma underneath and they all do, right? Yeah. Like oh all, yeah.
0: All the characters do. I, and I think that's the beauty of the show is that yeah. each character is carrying their own trauma and grief. Yeah. Yeah. At whatever level it is. We, do, right. we don't know about the uncle yet. Oliver Platt's character. I, I I'm know. Waiting to, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that whole story. I want his backstory now. He, um, he, yeah. But He's pretty I think, amazing. I think the rest of them, They've done just such a nuanced, beautiful yeah. way. And yeah. for those of us who ever worked in a kitchen, I know. Like I remember the first couple episodes going, "This is giving me a like, kitchen
1: as a trunk. I know. I, like the
0: first I'm, season I'm... is,
1: the first season is super angsty. Yeah. I do, I want to say this because I just want to say it to you because yeah. you've also watched it. The character that is the most um, heartbreaking to me is Pete the husband of um of sugar the the sister yeah that he witnesses i mean he's there for all the crazy moments he tries to be in the family yeah. and he sees the damage yeah not only that Jamie Lee Curtis is carrying but also where it lands on his wife and that and and maybe that it will always be that way and he just weeps yeah he he that performance and and the casting of that ac- of that actor kind of looks like you know so many people that we know right right um is just it, it, that's that decision is so powerful because for so many of us what we see is the inevitability of how someone is going to behave in this moment and there's nothing we can do to stop it and it breaks our damn hearts yeah
0: i think he has done like he is the the under the radar yeah. person that you he just is. didn't expect. Yeah. You're like, Oh my gosh, he's so happy. How is he? So I happy? love him so much. And I love that. And he's so positive ah. He has never experienced. Yeah. At least we don't know that for sure. But he opts in, right? Yeah. He, he opts into in, this
1: crazy ass family he and he goes just wants in. to be a part of it. He puts up with their crazy, like, you know, he brought fish and now that yeah. dog all <laughs> bad. I mean, he puts up with it out of love for her. And I thought it was, but a... it,
0: it breaks thought... him. Yeah, it does. I thought it was a really interesting he was an interesting choice to be the person that met yeah. mom. Yeah, the met Donna. Right. You know, outside the restaurant, he sees her and goes out. Yeah, because had it been anybody else, right? They would have. That's because yeah. he's on the outside. Yeah, it would have been. Have yeah,
1: any right. way, right. he doesn't have. He he just has to let this be. Yeah as it is and he knows that and so he doesn't do anything and he doesn't tell anyone i mean the show to me I, i'm like i don't know how they can do any better than this i just don't i, I don't know how they all the all the actor cameos that they subtly oh, put in there yeah. and that each one i mean it's just it's brilliant yeah, I'm, I, I'm like a, I, i'm a walking advertisement for it but i'm also really deeply grateful and i am one of those people like you know if if the Delivery guy does a really good job. I do go on the, on the internet and I'm like, you know, Alan did a wonderful yeah. job getting my desk <laughs> to me. I have written so many places to the people that produce the bear and write the bear and just said like, I don't, I'm sure my audience and the, it, 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 we're not who you were trying to reach, but you just have no idea because the reality is, and I, and I talked to, there's a woman named Andi Tamor who I talked to on my podcast who wrote, who directed a documentary of her father's death um, using medically assisted suicide Mm. in California. And it is like the most beautiful documentary about what a proactive choice of death could look like. And Mm. I had never imagined it that way until I saw the film. I mean, it just looks like a very quiet, really loving party. And one of the things that's really important about television and movies is that they give us they create something that now we can imagine for ourselves. Yeah. We look at this and we say not only oh that makes sense to me I see myself in it but also I see possibility here. So I hope that the I hope that they are going to help you know continue the characters who have not yet been able to transform. I hope they get that gift and I hope that they don't transform all the characters because that's not real.
0: Exactly. That's the other thing. I'm, I'm like, everybody can't be a hero. So no. like, like, you know, and that's my other thing. I thought that was one of the brilliant parts about putting Carmi in the freezer Yeah, as his whole world is supposed to, you know, he's, he's looking at it like the whole world is blowing up. But guess what? Everybody stood up. Richie showed yeah. up, Richie showed well, up. Well, and he and did it he to didn't...
1: himself, right? Yeah, he like did. he insisted that he take it on. The other character that I love is Ibrahim.
0: Yes. He's the one that's
1: sent to cooking school and he can't do, it. can't do it. That's again, and and rather than be mad at him, his staff understands, you know, he's given an opportunity and he really doesn't want to rise to that opportunity. He didn't want things to change. And that's what I mean. There's so many archetypes I know. of sort of how people come into you know, the reality of change and, and loss. And I just think they, oh, I just think they, they nailed it. Yeah. I think they made
0: each, they didn't waste a character. And and that's the beauty of it. It is a true ensemble show. Yeah. They didn't waste things. Yeah. And the writing, uh, I think it's Matthew Shore, is that his name? Christa, yeah, it is. Christopher Shore. Yeah, yeah sorry. Christopher Shore. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would love to be in the writing room because- I how they would, you know, elevate characters in each episode, especially this season. They they did a really yeah. good job of el- taking um, each character and kind of exploring a little bit yeah. of their backstory and what they were doing and in, in, in their forward story, too. Kind of yeah. like, um, That's right. yeah, like we're going to give you this opportunity. Are you going to take it or not? You know, and the
1: food, it, all the oh. food is, I mean, I made a French omelet once I saw how to do it. I was like, I am also going to put my omelet in a sieve and sieve out the thicker egg whites and have the world's most gorgeous omelet. Yeah. So you can also, if you're not interested in grief and loss, watch
0: it as a low level cooking class. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cause uh, you know, and <laughs> you know, I am a huge Olivia Coleman fan. Ah. Uh. And that was amazing. I, what I was so proud of for those episodes was they didn't give away who was going to be there. I know. How did they do it? I don't know how they did it because that would just be a ah. PR person's nightmare that I can't tell people who's coming. I know. But I knew I knew just a minute before the show was coming out, and I was so thrilled because – I had no idea. I just heard her voice, and I was like, holy oh. crap. I love her so much. She just had – I liked how they took those cameos, and
1: yeah. they
0: just made them – it's a role. They didn't suddenly get elevated to the star of that moment, even though, you know, certainly deserving of it, but yeah, it'll be a rough, uh, Emmys next year. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I totally agree. All right. You I have, agree. um, this has been delightful. Um, oh, we could... thank you so much for asking me. Oh gosh. I, this
1: is just so nice we could to see that you were such a gracious host and I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I learned from it. So yeah, me too.
0: Really lovely. And that's always Great. good, right? Yeah. Right. Especially, I mean, you know, that's what we're doing around here. I tell people all the time. I'm like, I am not I, I, at our workshops and stuff. I'm like, I am not a grief expert even though technically, but, uh, but I'm still learning. Yeah. And we're going to learn and we're going to learn together. Yeah.
1: Every grief, every griever is a grief expert. They all have something that they're able to, you know, I just happen to have a lot of like, I don't know, education behind it as well. And a lot of experience. So, you know, but that doesn't mean that people can't use their voice and their own experience to, again, not tell us what to do. You can't tell anyone what to do. Nobody just encourage us to believe that it's possible that we can get through these difficult times with some sort of, you know, guidance and hope around how to start trying that. Yeah. That's really it. It is.
0: We hope this episode of the podcast offered you some comfort and hope. Would you like to support us? Go to faithandgrief.org give and offer a donation for our next episode and become a podcast producer. Thanks for joining us here on the Faith and Grief podcast. We make this possible. Thanks for joining us here on the Faith and Grief podcast. Your support makes this service available to all who are grieving. If you'd like to support the Faith and Grief podcast, Go to faithandgrief.org slash give and offer a donation for our next episode.